educate yourself, know what you need to plan for, and understand that just running a projection that tells you how much retirement income you can get is not a retirement plan. And if that's kind of how you approach it, then you're likely to be in for some surprises as you go. Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I am Joe Curry, along with my co-host, as always, Lindsay Wilson. How are you, Lindsay? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I feel like we're on a bit of a roll right now. We are on a roll. We've just recorded two podcasts and we've got some other ones on the go. So lots of content coming out. Yeah, absolutely. So on our show today, we're going to talk about some of the retirement risks. And this is going to be a two-part episode, but a lot of these risks, some of them we have dove into a little bit more detail in past episodes, some of them we haven't really touched on. But if any listeners would love us to dive into any of these risks we're going to talk about in more detail, feel free to go to our website and contact us, join our list. And we're happy to answer listener questions and dive deeper into topics because at the end of the day, this is for you. So we want to make sure we're bringing in relevant content. Absolutely. We actually have a guide to the top five retirement risks, but transitioning into retirement is obviously a significant life change. And we see, and it's common for people to make various mistakes during this phase. So I thought, again, as you referenced, it might be worthwhile to dig in a little deeper to some of the less known mistakes people make when approaching retirement and maybe some of the more well-known, but to take a good look at them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked a bit about this in the last episode that there's a lot of different variables to consider for retirement. And if you don't know them, it's hard to plan for them. So we might as well talk about it. I think in total, we came up with nine. The first one is underestimating retirement expenses. Could you speak to that? Yeah, for sure. So a lot of people think that when they're planning out their retirement, their only expenses are going to be like, I almost want to call them their fixed monthly expenses. So this is how much I need to keep my house running. This is how much I need for groceries, which is obviously a little bit variable. This is how much I need for gas. But they don't really think about all the one-offs because they all feel like one-offs, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, we've talked about this in the past. And the other thing I always tell people in retirement is, what day of the week while you're working do you spend the most money? And most people tell me Saturday. And so once you're in retirement, every day is Saturday, right? So mm-hmm. there's more opportunities to spend money. There's probably more lunches with friends. There's probably more travel. So there's different expenses that are be popping up more often because you're able to do more things, which is the whole point of retirement, to be able to do what you want and have that freedom. But it usually comes with excess spending, not less. So yeah, underestimating retirement expenses is a big one. Because we do often speak about the importance of having a plan. How about not having a clear financial plan? Yeah. So part of that is coming up with your budget. And I know people don't like that word budget. So we talk a lot about cash flow. So you don't need to break things down into a line item, like every expense. In our retirement navigator, we have an exercise. And basically what we're doing is we're looking at your total take-home pay right now. So while you're working, everything coming into the bank, 
And then you're pulling out whatever you're not going to have in retirement. So if you're going to pay off your mortgage by retirement, you could take that payment out. You're still putting money away into your RSPs or retirement savings. You're going to take that out of your expenses. But for the most part, your cash flow is not going to go down. So you at least want to know what am I spending today in total? And again, as we mentioned about the underestimated expenses, so don't look at it from just what do you think your expenses are going to be? Look at it from, you know, what am I actually spending today? And that's a good starting point for that budget piece or that cash flow piece. But then when we get into the, the planning, I mean, there's so many different things that we need to plan for that are not just what that cash flow looks like. It's where are we going to get our retirement income from? What's the most optimal place to take our retirement income from? From government benefits to pensions to RSPs or RIFs to tax-free savings accounts. Like we have lots of different options in a lot of cases. Business owners may have, you know, corporations to take money from that they've really been saving. So that in itself, it takes a lot of planning because we want to make sure we're not paying too much tax. And really, that's what that piece comes down to is how are we maximizing our income through retirement and paying as little tax as possible. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the kind of the related things, which are your estate planning, making sure that's all in order, making sure your family knows what to expect. We talked a little bit about taxes, but there's some other things we can do around taxes to make sure we're limiting that in retirement. There's the investment planning. Do we invest the exact same in retirement as we did before retirement? Or how does that change? And what are the different retirement income styles we could look at, you know, based on our personal preferences and comfort level? And the list kind of goes on. But the point is to just show up in retirement and think you're going to optimize everything just because you save some money and you have a pension isn't really the way that works. There's a lot of opportunity to set yourself up for success or at least make the most of it. Even if you're never going to spend all your money. There's still other organizations that might be important to you or leaving an inheritance to your kid, legacy, whatever it is, that you might as well try to optimize. And without a plan, you're not going to be able to do that. So the next risk I'd like to touch on is one that we have touched on before is ignoring healthcare costs. One of the mistakes I see some people make is we plan to try to spend to zero. So we run all the numbers and we can spend this amount as long as we die by whatever age it is. And so we've talked a lot, and actually in the last episode, <laughs> about how that's not ideal anyway, because we don't know how long we're going to live. But even in doing that, if the plan is we've looked after our kids, we've worked hard, now I just want to enjoy retirement, and in a perfect world, I die with nothing to my name, mm -hmm. which is all great. But what tends to happen is even though our spending goes down in retirement, we don't know what those end-of-life healthcare expenses might look like, right? And when they're going to pop up. So we don't necessarily want to plan to spend everything because if that scenario comes up, you know, there might be some issues around how we're going to fund the care that we need. And another thing is if we have a couple and one of them gets sick, maybe in what we thought was going to be mid-retirement years, and all of a sudden that's taking a big chunk of our assets. So maybe surviving spares, if that person doesn't survive, or maybe they do, but all of a sudden there's a lot less on the other end of retirement, right? So we want to make sure we're at least putting in place a plan for how we're going to address those expenses in retirement. Now, just to jump back, we were talking about looking at income sources and blending income sources. How about claiming CPP and OAS too early? That's one a common question we get a lot about when to take CPP especially. Yeah, for new potential clients coming in, that's definitely one of the questions we get a lot. We have done episodes on this if anyone wants to dive into it in more detail. But what I always say is this is where planning is also important because a lot of people take their CPP specifically early because they feel like I've been giving money to the government for my whole life and I just want to get it back. I don't care what's optimal. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you're going to live a long time, FP Canada, Financial Planning Canada, you know, they have a study on this that really shows there's some significant advantages to delaying 
CPP and also old age security, which you can get as early as age 65, but you can also delay that for a higher benefit to age 70. The big thing here is make sure you're intentional about when you take it and don't just take it you know, at a spider because your brother-in-law told you you should take it early. Exactly. How about not considering tax implications? I already mentioned this a little bit when we talk about planning, but where you're taking your income from, the income is treated differently, right? So if we're taking money out of retirement accounts, so registered retirement income fund or a RIF, for example, that's fully taxable as income. Whereas if we're taking money from a tax-free savings account, well, in that scenario, there's no tax, no income tax. This goes back to that financial plan, right? It's important to have that plan in place and consider where we're taking this income from. Reasons for not taking money out of a registered retirement income fund is that we're going to have tax deferred growth there as long as we keep it in there. But reasons for getting it out of there is the government's going to make us take it out eventually, and it might force us to be taking more than we want later on. And also anything that's left in there when we pass away is a good chance about half of it's going to go to CRA. So we might not want to leave it all in there too long when we're looking at lifetime taxes. It's really, again, getting intentional about how we're taking money from different accounts and building it into the overall plan. And again, looking at cash flow sources, how about relying solely on a pension? Yeah. And so one thing I'd say about this is if you're a year from retirement and you only have a pension, then there's probably not a whole lot you can do. But for anyone who's still you know, a few years out from retirement, if you're planning on a pension supporting your entire retirement, you might get lucky and it might work out. But there's some reasons why you might not want to solely depend on that. So one is, and we've seen samples of this where pensions have not come through the way we expected, like Sears, Nortel, for example. But additionally, there's sometimes a need for larger expenses where you know we need access to more money, right? And there's no flexibility with a pension. It's just a monthly paycheck. So you want to be setting some money aside, and whether it's into retirement accounts, tax savings accounts, whatever it is, so that you have some diversity in your income sources. Right. And this is something we've talked about with our bucket strategy is investing too aggressively or conservatively. Sure. So we don't get a lot of people talking about investing too aggressively for of our retirees, but sometimes it does come up. And so what we want to make sure we're thinking about here is like we need to have that defense bucket enough there to at least make sure we're not having to sell in like a 2008 market, for example, to create income. If we know we're going to need a bunch of income from an account in the next couple of years, we need to have something that's a little bit less volatile, a little bit less risky there. So that if markets are down and our stocks or you know our global companies are down, that we're not forced to sell while they're down. Now, the flip side of that is we probably don't want too much in only conservative investments because as we've also recently talked about with inflation, there's a good chance that if inflation peaks a lot higher than we're expecting or have planned for through our retirement, that those investments might not keep up with that inflation and we might run out of money a lot sooner than we had expected. So we need to balance that kind of risk return and time horizon comfort level. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different considerations there, but again, it's important that we're building it into a plan that's going to help us get through bad returns and high inflation and all those other scenarios that come into play. Let's take it just a step further. With many retirees, they could be scared of market risk or end up in something that sounds like you can't lose. We even did have a client follow up with us about crypto. And recently we did meet with some potential clients who were into real estate. And there's always, of course, holding mortgages. Could you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a good point, actually. So talking about investing too risky or too conservative, sometimes what I see is people who are very conservative make the mistake of actually making their portfolio way more risky than they think it is. And so examples of that are holding mortgages as an investment because they don't like the ups and downs of the stock market. 
but then kind of having the majority of their wealth in these mortgages that are dependent on someone likely with bad credit to come through and be able to pay the interest and pay the mortgage off. So the reason that people would do that is what they see is, you know, nowadays a 12% interest rate that's coming in every month, there's no variability in it, but that's assuming that they have the money to keep paying. And I know someone personally, his father-in-law was really conservative, but he heard, you know, you can't lose in crypto because crypto is doing so well. And this is a while back, this was pretty early on, but ended up getting out of it at a bad time. He got scared, got back in, got back at a bad time, ended up owing a bunch of taxes that he wasn't expecting. And it ended up being a really tough situation. Yeah. But it was just something that, you know, crypto looked really good because there was a, a run for quite a while where it's just going up, going up, going up, going up. But it looked like you couldn't lose, didn't have the same volatility or the ups and downs that the stock market was experiencing at the time. So anyway, so the point here is something sounds too good to be true. It probably is. So we don't want to jump out of kind of the tried and true ways of investing because something else looks a lot better. Yeah. Because there's always a relation between risk and return. And so if it looks like we're getting a lot more return and it doesn't look like there's variability there, there's some kind of risk built into that. And we need to make sure we're figuring out how that fits into the overall portfolio. And at the very least, we need to make sure that we're diversified. So when we're building wealth, a lot of times concentration is good if we're comfortable with that risk and knowing we might have to work longer or go back to work, whatever it is. But once we get to retirement, if we want to stay retired and not go back to work, we need to now be looking to diversify and lower our risk so that we're not in a situation where we run out of money. Perfect. And how about not updating estate planning? I'd say, you know, 75% of potential clients coming in to see us have not updated their will in the last 10, 15 years, if they even have a will. And we're talking about a lot of wealthy people too, not people coming in saying, oh, I don't have anything. I'm not worried about it. Just a lot of times people do it when they have kids and, you know, now their kids are 35 years old and never, ever touched it. Hadn't really given it a lot of thought. So the first thing I'd say about that is there's a lot that's changed in the last 15, 20, 30 years. You probably don't have powers of attorney for property, powers of attorney, for health, if you haven't updated your will in the last 15 years, which are really important, just as important as your will. And also, I mean, you might have executors on there who are older than you. And ideally, that's not the case because if something happens to you, something likely has already happened to those people you had down there as executors, right? So there's a lot of things that can happen when you're not updating your estate planning. So it's something that should be addressed on a regular basis, or at least reviewed. It doesn't have to be updated any year by any means, but there's any big changes, any changes in laws, changes in family circumstances. I mean, these are all reasons we'd want to update it, but sometimes time is a good enough reason to just update it because so many things change. And finally, what about retiring too early? Yeah. So some people, you know, they look at retirement like life is short. I've been working for 25 years and I just want to make the most of my life. And I say, you know, that's great that you're thinking about that and you're being intentional. But it's important to be realistic as well and understand your situation. And this is where planning can come in to understand what you put away to date and and your income sources in retirement, what that looks like and how long that's going to last you and understanding or being okay with if you have to go back to work. But I would also say, you know, a lot of times it's people just want to get out of their job because they've been doing something for so long that it's painful to go to work. It's like torture. (laughs) I would just consider, you know, what does it look like if you found a new career took a mini retirement, went back to school and tried something different or started a business, kind of a a side hustle or did some part-time work that's at least going to cover kind of your basic expenses. Because any of those things is going to stretch your resources to be able to stay in that kind of retirement zone for a lot longer, right? 
no problem if you don't want to do what you're doing and you want to retire, just make sure you know what that looks like long-term because kind of the worst thing that can happen is you run out of money when you still have pretty good health. Like say you're in your mid seventies or late seventies, you still have pretty good health, but you've been out of the workforce for 20 years. You know, it's not always that simple to go back and get a job. And at that point, if you haven't been working in 20 years, you probably don't want to go back and get a job. So again, just being intentional about that and doing some planning around it. Any final thoughts to sort of wrap things up on these retirement risks? Just kind of like we talked about on the last episode, it's educate yourself, know what you need to plan for, and understand that just running a projection that tells you how much retirement income you can get is not a retirement plan. And if that's kind of how you approach it, then you're likely to be in for some surprises as you go. But good news is, Lindsay, anyone who's listening to this probably already knows there's more to it than that. Yeah. So that's great that you're educating yourself. Great. And I'll include our top five retirement risks guide in our show notes, along with something I I wanted to mention is about not updating estate planning. We have a great podcast with David Eady that talks about wills and estates and being prepped for being an executor, which I will also include. Yeah. And also why it's so important. There's probably uh, a lot more in-depth explanation of why that's important. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Joe. Thanks, Lindsay. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.